Welcome to this episode of the We Travel There podcast. We're in Milton Keynes, England with my new friend Lindsay Williams of Lindsay Does Languages. Lindsay takes us to Bletchley Park, which was a secret base of the World War II codebreakers and the setting for the movie The Imitation Game. And for those of us with a sweet tooth, she'll share where to order our Nutella hot chocolate. The show notes will be available at wetravelthere.com forward slash Milton. Let's start the show. The We Travel There podcast helps you travel like a local by interviewing guests from around the world to uncover the hidden gems of their city by finding out the best things to do, eat, drink, and see from a local's point of view. Don't you just hate waiting in line for security at the airport? Me too. Even the pre-check lines are slammed most of the time today. That's why I use Clear to skip the lines and get to my flight quicker. For my listeners, I've actually worked out a special deal where you can try Clear for free for two months. This is a limited time offer, so go to wetravelthere.com forward slash clear to sign up today. Hey, Lindsay, how are you doing today? I'm really excited to hear about Milton Keynes, England. I'm great, thanks. Thanks for having me on the show. I'm happy I actually pronounced it correctly, right? Yes, you did. You did. (laughs) Good job. (laughs) So tell me a little bit about the city and how you ended up being there. I've lived here in Milton Keynes now for about just over four years. It was always quite close to where I lived before. It was always this just close enough, but just far enough away place to be quite exciting to go and visit. It had this great shopping center. You know, it was oh so much bigger and fancier than, than where I grew up, which was a much smaller town. And I moved here in 2014 when my husband qualified as a primary school teacher. And the job that he got teaching was in a school just south of the city. So we moved close by. Okay. That's definitely a worthy reason to be there. Just for uh, us geographically challenged people, Mm -hmm. where exactly in the world is Milton Keynes, England? If you come to London, which I know a lot of people do when they visit in the UK, you can go straight to Euston Station. Most of those trains from that station will stop at Milton Keynes, or at least go through it. Okay. (laughs) So you're talking on the fast train about 35 minutes out of London, northbound. If you get the slow one that stops in every single town, about 45, 50 minutes So it's not too far from London. Even the slow one's not that bad. What would you say is like one word that would describe the city or the people? Definitely modern. What's really interesting about Milton Keynes and the thing that it gets uh, mocked for, I think it's fair to say, among other residents of the UK and people that know the town, is that unlike a lot of places in this country, it's very, very new. It was founded as a new city in the, I think the 50s and 60s is when they had the first idea. A couple of years after we lived here, I think around 2012, maybe even last year, they had their 50th anniversary. So it's very, very recently just turned 50, which is so young for a city in this country. Because of that, it's actually designed for modern living a lot more. So, you know, 50 years ago may sound like not modern living at all but it's very very well designed so there's a whole trail of what's called redways which is quite a local thing bike tracks essentially that go all across the city you can walk on them as well there's so many parks and lakes and and, you know rivers flowing through the place that it's just a much greener and much more enjoyable place to live than people who have never been but just heard the name tend to think Sure, sure. No, I mean, that's definitely part of like the healthy living and being able to go out on the bike paths, whether you're running, biking with your friends or by yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, really great place to just find 
a nice balance between the sort of urban side of Milton Keynes and the nature as well. What's the weather like in there? You know, I mean, I think here in America, we have this interpretation of, of English weather as constantly horrible, but I think that's probably incorrect. The time of year we're recording this, that is pretty much correct. We're recording this in January and yeah, it is pretty, <laughs> uh, pretty miserable outside right now. You know, we have decent summers, maybe in spring as well from about probably I'd say April time. It begins to warm up up until maybe September and then it starts to cool off again. But because of that, we have these lovely seasons. And I love that in Milton Keynes. The centre actually is very strange, again, for this country, because it's all kind of on roundabouts. And then as soon as you get to the dead centre, it's on a grid system. Now, we do not have grid systems very often in this country. So that's really strange. And what I love about that is when you drive in and you drive up in the centre, there's these like boulevards and avenues with just rows and rows of trees. And every single season, these trees are just beautiful. You know, I always drive and think, oh yeah, winter is my favorite season to drive up this road and see these trees. And then I'm like, nope, nope, it's spring for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely summer. Oh wow, yeah, autumn, definitely. So yeah, there's a real clear sort of four seasons throughout the year. So it's not awful 100% of the time. (laughs) You know, I have some friends in Seattle and in in the U.S., Seattle is known as notoriously always rainy and gloomy and stuff like that, but it actually rains more in Miami than it does in Seattle. So I think mm-hmm. people just have these perceptions that are oftentimes proved incorrect. It's good to have those seasons. I used to live in California, and I moved to Nashville in the summer of 18. Now I'm getting used to all the different seasons where it's actually cold. The leaves actually change colors instead of palm trees that never change. And so, so it's kind of a cool experience being able to be around all the different seasons and experience it all. Yeah, that sounds beautiful. So thinking of that, if somebody wanted to come to visit Milton Keynes, what is the best time of the year to visit or when are some of the, the best festivals or the best scenery? Give us some ideas as far as when people should visit. I would say from around... May to July, maybe early August is probably the best time when you've got the best weather. I mentioned the parks and all those green spaces earlier. They're managed by something called the Parks Trust, which is a fantastic organisation that takes really, really good care of them. But not only that, they also put on tons of events. And as you can imagine, there's a lot more of those events going on in the summer. There's like a Philippines community event that happens, like a big festival, I think, every year. There's the African Diaspora Festival, I noticed in the calendar for this year. The World Picnic, I think that's the end of July. So there's just loads of really, really fun multicultural events happening in these parks across the summer. You also mentioned to me before about something called an international festival. It happens like every other year. Yeah, yeah. So every other year definitely happened in 2018. So it will be on the even years. So the next one will be 2020. But that's a lot of fun too. So it's kind of a combination of all of those things I just mentioned. You've got film going on. I think last year they had a a canal boat with a cinema set up on the boat, which is pretty fun. Yeah, and I've seen they have sometimes a, a kind of a bus caravan thing that has a a film screening in there as well. Loads of different foods, loads of different, there's a big circus tent they have. That's definitely a very, very good time to visit. You know, although I've traveled around the world quite a bit, you know, I've never heard of Milton Keynes. What are some of the other things that are really kind of like the major attractions in the town? Well, I mentioned that there's no history, but actually that's not strictly true. Although it's a very modern place, it was built around 
a very small village. Milton Keynes was actually a very small village, but there are a couple of towns closer by. And one of those was a town called Bletchley, towards the south of the town of the city now. You may have heard of Bletchley Park. Uh, I'm not sure if I have. Okay. Maybe then you've heard of the film The Imitation Game with Benedict Cumberbatch. Oh, yes, I did. Okay. So that film is, a lot of it at least, is set at Bletchley Park and the story of Alan Turing, who cracked the Enigma Code in World War II. And this was all very hush-hush. This was a complete secret for years and years until... I think, well, relatively recently, I guess. And now Bletchley Park, where all of this work was done in secret, you know, to crack the Enigma Code in World War II, is open to visitors. And it's a fascinating place to visit. And one of the the main attractions to the city that's a little less on the modern side, you could say. Yeah, one of my friends absolutely loves like World War II history. And I could just imagine there would be a wonderful place for him to visit. It sounds really interesting for me also. So I would definitely add that to my list when I come out to England. If somebody wanted to come visit Milton Keynes, what's the best way to get to town? The best way would be, if if you're arriving in London, would be to head to Euston and get on one of those trains. If you want to visit Bletchley Park, there's a station at Bletchley, which stops before Milton Keynes, and that will drop you off. The station is right opposite Bletchley Park, so you're, you're golden, you're there. And then if okay. you want to go into the centre and the town, one stop along is Milton Keynes. So the train is the easiest way. Airport-wise, Luton Airport is the closest airport. So if you fly into London Newton Airport, which isn't actually in London at all, um, <laughs> that's about, you know, 40 minutes maybe drive from Milton Keynes. So okay. it's, it's pretty well connected. So if somebody wanted to rent a car and just experience driving on the quote unquote wrong side of the road, <laughs> <laughs> is it difficult to park in town or is it expensive? Is it just better just to take the train or is it okay to take a car? Yeah, you could definitely rent a car and it would help you to get around a little bit further and a little bit quicker. The parking can be expensive in the centre. My little trick would be to park at Campbell Park, which is one of those parks, and it's just down from the centre. And then you get to walk up through the park and you're at the bottom of the shopping centre and that's a free place to park. So that's my little uh, trick, which I probably shouldn't say because now they'll suddenly think, oh, they're onto (laughs) us, we'll start charging for that car park now. (laughs) <laughs> no, exactly, exactly. I think you said also that the parking is actually free after 6 p.m. In, inside the city. Yeah, it is, which I think is great because, you know, there's so many restaurants. There's a huge place, which is actually, surprisingly, in fact, one of the most visited attractions in the UK called Xscape, just with an X. Okay. And it's a big ski and snow snowboarding uh, uh, slope in the back of there you've got one of those like wind tunnels a big cinema with the 5d stuff going on all of that stuff and tons and tons of restaurants and bars and so it's and a theater of course you know it's really great that it's free after six because you do get the chance to go out and enjoy yourself without having to worry about parking and this additional cost cool cool yeah i was looking at the escape is that how it's pronounced yeah i pronounce it escape yeah they have indoor skiing there is that correct yeah, it is. I think that's why it's one of the biggest attractions, because that's quite a rare thing to find over here, that they're kind of quite spread out, these sort of indoor skiing locations. I've never been every single year since I've lived here. It's been on my <laughs> list of things I want to do in that year. Finally go to the snow dome, but I still haven't been. It's on my list for sure. Because overall, England is pretty flat. I mean, there's obviously a lot of rolling hills and, and things of that nature, but there's no you know, major mountains that are in, in England, are there? 
No, not really. And the tallest, um, I think it's called a mountain. The tallest mountain is actually in Scotland as well. So, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, in England, it's, it's mostly quite flat. <laughs> Most of the people, if they're going to be coming from the US, if they're going to Europe, they're going to go to like Switzerland or something like that to go ski in the Alps. But hey, you know, when you're going there for London, it's a good opportunity to break out the skis and, and have a little bit of fun for the day too. Absolutely. There's a couple other things that you mentioned that are fun to do inside uh, Milton Keynes. Something called the MK Rose. What is that? If you park down in that free car park at Campbell Park, you'll walk up past this on your way into the center. It's a very interesting monument. It's very simple, but it, it turns out quite beautiful. What it is, is it's a, a circle with loads of different pillars, all different heights, you know, different kind of shades of gray and white and black. A lot of these pillars have a specific date on them. And when I, when I say date, I don't just mean 2nd of October. It will say something like 2nd of October. My favorite one is Toddle Waddle Day, which I, I quite like. Some of them are quite random and fun like that one. And some of them are much more serious. There's some there to commemorate Bletchley Park and things to do with the war, etc. But yeah, there's also some blank ones. And I learned recently that you can submit a date that you think should be on the pillars and then every few years they'll go through the list of submissions and add a new date to one of the blank pillars which is quite fun oh that is fun do you know what toddle waddle day is i don't i have lots of images in my head every time i walk past and see it i think <laughs> hmm i imagine it's just a day where you're supposed to get your toddler on their feet that's what I imagine. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'm going to have to Google that and try to figure yeah. it out. Cause like it definitely has my brain turning right now, trying to figure it out. <laughs> A lot of fun pictures in my mind, probably some of them not so good. Some of them uh, pretty funny. So, <laughs> so one of the things that I don't want to miss out on is that a lot of the people who listen to the show are really interested in the food in, in all the cities that we visit. Are there certain foods that Milton Keynes is known for, or are there like some really fun things to eat while you're visiting? I wouldn't say that there's any kind of local specialities, but there are for sure some great restaurants and one cafe in particular. There's no independent coffee shops apart from one that I know of, at least. And that's in a place called The Hub, which is a little area sort of geographically in my mind it's north of the center but it's not north i think it's going to be west of the center there's loads of restaurants there and there's one little cafe tucked around the back called bogota which is a little coffee shop and it's really really small but they do great coffee and some other drinks as well nutella hot chocolate a matcha latte you know things like that which is a nice break from you know the chains coffee shops that you'll get in the in the center i also really like camp hill cafe which is in Campbell Park, just sort of on the edge of Campbell Park. And that is a lovely little place. I went there in the summer. We, we rode out on our bikes there on those redways that I mentioned that are nice and handy away from the traffic. And <laughs> it was great. It was just nice, simple, classic cafe food. So a nice kind of uh, afternoon out to head to Camp Hill Cafe. Well, I think one of the things that's really cool about Camp Hill Cafe is the people who actually work there. Can you tell us a little bit about that? The people that work there are all adults that are living with learning disabilities. So otherwise, they may find it difficult to find work. So it's great because it gives people a chance for independence and, you know, to have work that, you know, they can do. So I think it's, it's really lovely. No, that certainly is. You know, I mean, the, a lot of times people, unfortunately, look at somebody who has maybe a little bit of a disability and they think that they're less than other people. 
Exactly. They really have a lot to offer. I think everybody that wants to be able to work. I mean, obviously some of us are lazy and you have a job. Sometimes you go, oh, I don't want to work. I don't want to work today. I just want to sit in bed. But I think everybody finds a little bit of value in, in the ability to go out there, earn some money and make a difference in the world. And it's a great opportunity for uh, the people there that can work at Camp Hill Cafe. Definitely. You mentioned a couple other places to me that I think one that has uh, some Japanese food. Mm, yeah. So Akasaka is my favorite restaurant in the town. I mentioned earlier those um, sort of smaller towns that Milton Keynes was built around. And one in the north is called Wolverton. And Akasaka is in Wolverton. There is one okay. in the center, I believe now, but the one that I know and love <laughs> is the Woolwiton version of this. Yeah, they do great Japanese food. They do sushi, but it's more than just sushi. You know, they do like the noodles and the bowls of kind of soup and stuff like that and the tempura. And so, yeah, good full range of Japanese food. That's the best sure, place to go. Sure, sure. And then, you know, a lot of people, when they think of England, they think of pubs and things of that nature. Are there any pubs in town that, that you would really recommend? Yeah, there are a few. I would say most of the best ones are going to be out of the centre, just okay. by the nature of the best pubs. There were some pubs in the centre, but they tend to be um, chain pubs. There's a company oh, called yeah. Weatherspoons that owns a lot of pubs within towns, which is fine, but they're then a bit more the same. So if you're looking for a more authentic experience, you could head out to, I believe it's called Wavenden, the village on the east side of Milton Keynes, the Wavenden Arms, okay. and that is a lovely, lovely pub. They do some really, really nice food there. From the American uh, touristy type of side, I would definitely rather go to one of those little small town yeah. pubs, hang out, have some beers, watch some soccer or football, kind of enjoy and soak up the experience. Absolutely. Perfect. Well, you know, we're going to have all these locations and even more from everything that Lindsay's been able to tell us about in the show notes. But now it's time for the final countdown. So, Lindsay, if somebody only had time for one meal in town, where should they go and what should they eat? Definitely Akasaka. Best Japanese food. It's delicious. It's worth a trip out of the center. Okay, great. When they go there, what should they have? Like, is there something that's special on the menu? Mm, I really like the yasai udon, so the vegetable tempura in udon noodles in like a soupy bowl. That's really good. Real good meal. It feels like two meals, you know? <laughs> right on. Yeah, my wife like, absolutely loves fresh vegetables, and I'm sure she would totally order that. Mm. So, <laughs> so you lived there for a few years now. What's one of your most memorable stories of living in Milton Keynes? In 2012, Milton Keynes was actually one of the host cities for the World Cup. And we went to see a game, which was great. The stadium's not too far away from our house. So we went with a couple of friends and my husband and his friend and his uh, partner actually were all wearing Fiji rugby shirts because we were watching Fiji versus Uruguay. And uh -huh. so I thought, well, someone needs to support Uruguay. So I had a little Uruguay flag. They've all got their Fiji shirts, their Fiji flags. And, uh, <laughs> and a guy comes up from local press, from the local radio station and says, hi, can I uh, take your picture for, for MKFM? We say, yeah, sure. And he says, oh, have you come all the way from, from Fiji? And they were like, uh, <laughs> do we look Fijian? <laughs> and they sort of went, yeah, yeah, really, really long flight, you know, quite sarcastically. And this guy just uh -huh. went, wow that's amazing i completely believed them and, and then how do you come back from that so we took our photo and then we just sort of looked at each other and went oh okay that that happened <laughs> so yeah that was a lot of fun 
Did you ever uh, find that on the internet or on their in their paper or anything as far as your photo? And under the credits, it says that, oh, look at these uh, tourists coming all the way from Fiji. Yeah, I think we did. And then a few, <laughs> about a week later, in fact, not long at all after the World Cup, that match, I was at a different event, a language event in the town, and he was there again. And I was like, the Fiji, you know, the, the Fiji reporter is here. <laughs> but I don't think he recognized me, so it was all good. Okay, all right. Yeah, your cover wasn't blown. <laughs> nope. <laughs> <laughs> so thinking of fun times, where's the happiest happy hour in Milton Keynes? I would say one of the best places if you're talking drinks is a Revolución de Cuba, which is a nice large-sized bar on the edge of the theater district. So I think it's called 12th Street nowadays, which is just next to the theater at the bottom of town, opposite from Escape as well. So you've got loads of options if you want to go out and have some fun afterwards. If it's the, the Revolución de, de Cuba, then I'm sure they have some great mojitos. Yeah, they do some really, really great cocktails in there. Nice, nice. So one of the things I always do whenever I travel is try to eat pizza at one of the local places. Where is the best place for pepperoni pizza in town? Okay, so if you are not in the mood for heading all the way out of town for the Japanese food at Akasaka, then definitely the place to, to grab some pizza or is in the shopping center, which is one of the biggest attractions, as I think I mentioned. There's a little pizza van that parks up now. The new section, the, the section they call Into, outside Waterstones, the bookshop, you'll see this blue van, and it's like a wood fire pizza oven in the back of the van, and you can see it all being cooked. They even do a Nutella pizza as well, so you can get pizza for your main and pizza for dessert. Oh, that sounds delicious. Yeah. So, although it does sound a little dangerous driving around with a wood fire, like a wood fired <laughs> oven in the back of your van. We'll get the pizza and we'll run away just in case, you know, uh, the fire busts out and the van explodes or anything, something crazy. Good plan. So, <laughs> tell us a little about who you are, how people can reach you. Tell us about your website. Yeah, sure. So, one of the reasons I wanted to appear on this podcast is actually I've just spent most of the last year away from home, away from Milton Keynes, traveling and making a series of language documentaries called Language Stories. So it's a podcast and a video series. We've got season one. We're currently, at the time of recording, releasing season two. So season one is all about the Americas and season two is about Southeast Asia. And we've met and interviewed some fascinating people, a Mayan rapper, some Paraguayan app developers and people up in the mountains in, in the north of Vietnam in the Asian series. So it's been really, really interesting. Yeah, just coming to the end of releasing season two. That sounds so much fun. I, I think your experience is probably a little bit like mine with uh, recording the podcast and just meeting people from all over the world. It's amazing just learning about these new places that some of them you've heard of and you're able to to go a couple levels deeper. And in some places you've just never really heard of. And you go, wow, this is a really cool place. I definitely need to go visit there and uh, meet some of the people. So where are you thinking of uh, starting with season three? You know, I've been thinking about this lately. And for a while I've had in my head to do season three about the UK. Because we have so many languages in every corner of, of this strange little country and i'd love to delve into that especially with brexit around the corner i think it would be an interesting time oh certainly certainly so if somebody wanted to be able to reach out to you what's your website and then what's the best way to reach out to you on social media it's lindsaydoeslanguages.com the podcast link is on there if you just click language stories at the top and then on social media it's lindsay does languages in most of the places and then i think it's just twitter where it's ld languages 
Okay, perfect. Yeah, we're going to have all these links in the show notes. We'll be able, everybody will be able to reach out to you and learn all about these really cool languages and cool people from around the world. So Lindsay, thank you so much for being on the show and we look forward to talking to you soon. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. I've really enjoyed talking with you. I enjoyed learning about Milton Keynes. We tend to think of everything in Europe as being hundreds of years old, but it's interesting to find out that the city is only 50 years old. When I travel to new countries, I'm still learning how to drive the roundabouts. Whenever I see one, I can't help but think of the National Lampoon's European Vacation movie, where they're stuck in the roundabout. I like how Milton Keynes is close enough to London so that we can make a quick diversion to explore the city, then get back to the more difficult vacation plans of the big city. What is your favorite thing you learned about Milton Keynes? Please let us know in the show notes at wetravelthere.com forward slash Milton, or log into the We Travel There podcast community on Facebook. Join us in the next episode when Conrado Asenio takes us to the bioluminescent bays and historical forts in San Juan, Puerto Rico. We hope you join us when we travel there. If you've enjoyed this podcast episode, please share it with your friends and tell them what you enjoyed most. Make sure you subscribe that we don't miss any of our upcoming destinations.